Hi guys, this is Doug, and you're listening to What's the Hazard. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Fallowich Construction Services, Custom Concrete Specialists, WorkSafe Consulting, the Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, and our latest sponsor, Make You Safe. Thank you one and all for your support. I sincerely appreciate it. Now let's get to today's episode. It is February 3rd, Friday here in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, a cold, chilly day out there, but I'm told that it's going to be warm this weekend, so we have something to look forward to. My guest today, you can see him on the screen, the handsome devil behind that, Pete Suska. Uh, he is the principal of OPEX Safety, a good friend of mine now. Oddly, uh, we were like brothers, and um, we had talked about bringing you this series of discussions, conversations about some articles that Pete has written. Um and we have entitled it, uh, It's Always Bigger Than Safety. It's kind of the, a look at how safety um, is really part of a larger organizational system that needs to be appreciated as such and for good reason. And it's um, the first article is what we're going to try to discuss today. We sent it out ahead of time uh, so that you can have a look at it. Hopefully, you've had an opportunity to take a look at it. It is a short article, but there is so much in this. So we, we've got a lot to talk about, Pete. So um, I think people that had heard the first episode when you and I spoke before a month or two ago were really, really interested. And all of this obviously hovers around fatality prevention. Everything that we do ultimately hovers around fatality prevention. So um, give everybody just a little bit of background. You've been doing this a long time, and I don't mean to I'm not going to say long, long time, but long, long time. So give everybody just a little brief introduction, and then we'll get into the meat of the of the article. Sure. Thank Again, thank you, Doug, for having me, and uh, I'm glad we met. I'll be saying that for a long time. Uh, no, I've been, uh, I've been in the safety operations functional leadership world for over 40 years. I actually got started in the fire service and, you know, I told that story the last time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I have a whole variety of experiences in uh, large corporations, uh, living outside the United States, um, leading functions such as engineering and quality and, and, and the like, and also being in organizations where I had P and L profit and loss responsibility and actually running the business. So I, I think that's really enabled me to see the business world from all different sets of shoes, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is a really important thing. Uh, it's always, it's always good for you to understand what it's like being in someone else's shoes. And, uh, and so that's helped me really kind of uh, establish a, a connection between things and, and in a relationship between things. And so um that's really interesting. I didn't know that you were actually running the businesses. I know you had engineering functions, quality functions, but this, um, the ability to see from different perspectives. I think you utilize, you use the word perspective a number of times in the article, and I circled it every time because the, the more and more I, I think about perspective from a risk standpoint, you know, it is so variable. You know, and so this perspective question is really interesting to me, but I'm going to read from your article just to get us started and get this, you know, get the conversation going. And um, I thought it was interesting. This article series chronicles the principles and techniques that readers can apply to transition safety 
and the safety profession closer to the core of what organizational leaders value. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's sure. Core, I mean, uh, moving toward the core, inside out rather than outside in. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I I've been in many positions where I felt like I was on an island, and, I, and I'm sure some of your listeners feel that way too. They're in a business, but they're they're on an island. They're they're that box on the wall that says "break glass when there's a fire." You know, right? Yes, they are. Um, no doubt. Yeah, call the safety guy, call the safety gal, you know, something bad's happened or whatever it is. Fick, come fix this, come put this fire out. And, and you know, I was in that world for a while and, and um, I really began to thought of the business as the enemy. There were a lot of people in the business that, that, that I thought of it were, were the enemy. And, and I, I evolved, I had to evolve my perspective out of that because I was really put you know, I was like Rambo, you know, I was like put in the middle of the jungle and I had to fight my way out. Right. And I know some of your Absolutely. listeners probably in the same world. Uh, and, the vast and, majority, I would guess. Yeah. So you're feeling like, wow, I'm, I, I got to figure out how to get people to listen to me uh, and be respected. And and so um, it, it really is a, a rethinking of that from the perspective of of we need we as the safety profession need to understand the business and how the business works see we a lot of the functions are are in the world of risk management the business is in benefit creation mm -hmm. okay we aren't benefit thinkers we're risk thinkers they're benefit thinkers mm -hmm. so we're coming about this in a two two different paradigms Okay, we need to get closer to understand benefit creation, and they need to get closer to appreciate risk creation. And 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 so that's what I'm talking about here is if we can get closer to understand the way they go about creating benefit, we can create better benefit, more balanced benefit for them, at least in the world of safety. But I think what I've been trying to talk about is how the elements of safety and the reasons for safety elements also can create benefit in other areas that create risk. And mm -hmm. so that's what this was all about, was trying to say, look, stop seeing the business as the enemy and let's work in from an, another angle, right? I mean, you know, we, we've been bashing against the front wall and beating mm -hmm. our head against the wall. Let's go around the side door. Mm -hmm. okay? mm -hmm. And it's just really just kind of a different strategy. Getting invited to the head table. Yeah, right. being valued enough right. as a business um, uh, uh, peer or, or contributor. I mean, how many times have, have I been and I've seen my clients been shot down bringing up a quality issue or bringing up some cost issue or something like that? And they say, go back in your safety box. <laughs> we'll call you when we need you. Yeah, yeah, we'll call you. If we got a safety problem, we'll call you. Exactly. Oh, that is really interesting. So um, what, what's the starting point? I mean, I, I have this vision of Thanksgiving and you got the head table where the adults sit and the little card table that's about three inches lower down at the end where the kids sit. <laughs> and I see the safety guy or gal sitting down there at that little right. card table and wondering how they can get up to the big boy table. I mean, for for the for those of the listeners that are actually you know the safety professional in their organization, and they have the office that's way out in the middle of nowhere because there really is no need for them to be in communication with the other leaders in their minds. 
what do they do? How do, how do you go about this? Is there a process for that? Yeah, well, it, it's a diagnostic first, right? I mean, for me, it's a diagnostic first and, and, and it's, it should be a diagnostic for everyone first. And I think I, I may have said this before, but I watch a lot of safety professionals try to provide solutions when people don't agree on the problem. Wow. Interesting. Okay. And, and the reason why you're getting pushback is they don't see the problem the same way you see the problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and so what, where you start is understanding the problem is, is it the way they think about safety? Is it the way they think about you doing safety? Mm -hmm. Okay. Are you talking about the leaders now? Are you talking about the leaders? Yeah. The leaders of the organization, Mm -hmm. you know, do they see safety as a value and how do they see it as a value? What, what's, what's the way they look at safety? Start to look at that, try to understand. Okay. Mm -hmm. Understand first um, where that's all coming from. And then if they appreciate safety and they don't seem to get along with you well, or don't invite you, maybe it's you. Right. Yes. No, you really got to look in the mirror sometimes. And that's where I I wrote a whole article, which is I think the second article after this Mm -hmm. one, Mm -hmm. which was, as I wrote this article and I'm saying to myself and thank you to the ASSP and, and, and the editors of, of the professional safety journal for listening to me uh, and, and saying, Hey, and, and then saying, Hey, look, we're going to give you a column. Uh, I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so after I wrote this first <laughs> article, I said to myself, okay, I'm going to dress people up, but they're not going to have the ability to do anything with this because of that situation that they're in. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to write an article of how to get out of the, the box you're in. Mm-hmm. And that's the second article, which yeah. is how to get yourself a little bit more appreciated in the organization so that you can start to use these things and, and help the organization. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is such an interesting comment because I think when you say it's you, you're probably talking about a combination of, Certainly personality issues can play yeah. some part in this, but the way that the perspective, the way that we approach the pursuit of our work and this risk control, you know, this attitude, and you see this in different, um, and I've seen it, I, I, I watch it every day where the safety person um, is, you know, as you said earlier, it's not about benefit to the organization. It's more, you know, uh, condemn, control, um, criticize, uh, the safety police approach that alienates everyone from the safety element, the component to that organization. And so I, I, that, that critical look in about how we approach this and how we have alienated ourselves from the benefit side of the business, I think is, do you have, do you have some in, in that article? Will we talk about how to do that or, or what to look for? I yeah, don't mean to jump ahead, but I think that's a no, really yeah. critical piece. Yeah, it is. It is a critical piece. You've got to be able to be positioned to add value beyond safety. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when they, when that's legitimate, then you can kind of work beyond the fact that 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 kind of safety picture that everybody has of you and it changes their perspective. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'll just give an example. I remember one time, I don't know if I was in Europe at the, at the time and I was standing up and, and, being my usual Italian passionate self, using my hands and all that. And, and I could see this is in the German um, uh, meeting. I could see these people recoiling 
and and I sat down next to a guy who I'd kind of you know gotten close to, and I said, uh, you know, did I do something wrong? He said, no. He says, we've never seen hands moving so much. <laughs> Just the pain. You know, it was like we we've never we don't talk with that level of passion about quality or profit or acquisitions that was just foreign to us what you mm -hmm. were doing we and you know sometimes we in the safety profession come at things so passionately that we look like we're a little nuts that's a great <laughs> that is a great comment you know? it is interesting that you say that because it it is a very emotional pursuit and oftentimes yeah. when things are going poorly or very badly it becomes very emotional and certainly we're talking about, you know, injuries and fatality, potent things like that. So it absolutely emotional, but it doesn't translate very well into uh, the the understanding of our the leaders in the organization. Yeah, so I get a little yeah. turned off by that at times. I'm sure exactly is that they can again, and that's another reason why it may be you, mm -hmm. right? It may be your approach. It may be the way you talk about things it may you know all of that and that's where in that article i basically said you know you need to you need a business mentor the mm. first thing i tried to do because here i am in germany by myself you know i'm the only safety leader of all of the all of europe um i i needed to find someone that that was in those ranks that could tell me frankly what i was doing right and what i was doing wrong in terms of my approach mm -hmm. And fortunately, that ended up being the CFO. Interesting. Uh, you want to get close to the finance people. Mm -hmm. That's uh, a great. Is that something about, that? Yeah. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, man. No, go ahead. Is that something that um, I think that seems like something that would be doable within our organizations here? Finding someone in the executive level, the suite where decisions are made, that is not a safety person or a risk management person necessarily, at least at risk as we view it, um, and then get their feedback. That's a really yeah. interesting comment. Oh, it's a really important piece. It really is. Mm -hmm. Because they're they're helping you with the key to the to the door. Yeah. Right. To the executive kind of door. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I, again, I was an executive, but it, is the safety executive treated like the the finance executive, like the HR executive, again, that's something you need to size up in your organization. Mm -hmm. And why is that? You know? Interesting comment, man. And so um, I have just just marked up the article over and over and over. There's so many things that you make, the comments in here that you make. Um, I was, uh, there's some, you, you refer, I'm going to read again, which is, I know that's a horrible thing to do, but. It says, while the safety profession has worked diligently to get the attention of leadership through the moral, ethical, as well as the financial loss value associated with good safety, we must start working safety from inside the business core. In the business world, the core is primarily financial, uh, meeting profit, growth, customer, and stockholder expectations. You know, I, I always refer back to OSHA because... That's what I'm most familiar with from a safety perspective. And my, my perspective has had to evolve quite a bit since I've been out of OSHA. But we used to always encourage safety people to do the old. They had a, we had an old program called Safety Pays. Do you remember that at all? It was mm -hmm. a tool yeah. on the OSHA website where you could talk about direct costs and indirect costs. And we're up there speaking about these things, probably just reading off of a form because we really don't understand them. 
right. to some degree, you know, in large part. But that was the sales pitch that we were supposed to make to the executives about why this was important. You know, the, the I guess the moral ethical argument from our perspective is the first thing we go to. We have a duty to do this. You know, I, I used to I used to have a boss at OSHA and um, he shall remain nameless. But yeah, I used to go to him all the time emotionally and say, we need to do this because it's the right thing to do. And I would be so passionate. And, and he would say, what are you talking about? You know, how does it make sense to do this? And I used to get so frustrated with him, but exactly what you're saying, I've come to realize that he wasn't quite the dick that I used to think he was. <laughs> Maybe he was much more sophisticated manager than I gave him credit for because my emotional arguments really didn't hold a lot of water, you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't making the connection on the level you're describing. Yeah, it, it's it that goes back to that kind of emotion, right? That uh, and being able to see behind it and make your case appropriately, yes. right? Rather yeah. than just by jumping up and down, you know, yes. the sky's falling. <laughs> right. Well, can we talk a little bit about there are a lot of um well, let, let me go let me go back to what you just read because I think it's a really please. important piece. Yeah, I think do. a lot of the history and and safety, the safety ROI kind of stuff, right? You, you know, you've seen and read all that safety ROI stuff. Um, a safety ROI is most times predicated on on harm or and the cost of harm, right? Mm -hmm. Working backwards from the mm -hmm. cost of harm. Hey, you know, if, if you prevent this incident, you prevent this direct cost, you prevent this indirect cost downstream based on the fact that, you know, you don't have the person to do the job. You got to retrain somebody. You got to pay for them. All of those things, okay? Mm -hmm. that, that's mm -hmm. kind of loss right? Predicated on an event, on harm. Right. I don't go that way. I, though that, that's valid. That's valid. Again, it predicates, you have to be able to appreciate the potential for harm to be able to accept that case. Mm -hmm. Whereas I look at safety from the perspective of it's just telling me a little bit about what they're already losing that has nothing to do with safety. Mm-hmm. So when I go into that process and I see safety risk, uh, can I tell a story? Mm -hmm, please, absolutely. <laughs> I, I was in I was in Africa at a uh, um, mining process. I don't know if I told this story before. Uh, you're going to have to remind me. I Pete, you told this story. No, this um, one doesn't sound familiar at all. Okay, and and what they're doing is 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 they're crushing iron ore. And in this crushing process, the truck dumps the raw material into the crusher. The crusher crushes it up and it goes down through um, the series of, of belts and, and the like. Well, I, I am looking at this process and I'm watching these four guys shoveling iron off the ground, you know, into a truck next to the belt. And I see this interlock on, on this section that they disconnected. And I said to the guy, I said, what are they doing? And, and he said, well, we're picking up iron that comes off the belt. And I said, uh, have you had, had any safety issues here? Yeah. He said that interlock there is because one of those guys lost their arm doing this job. Mm -hmm. Really? I said, what is the business value of this job? See, <laughs> iron ore and this goes back to what we were talking about last time when I said you have a mechanized process, you shouldn't have to be sticking your hands and your body into it. That's mm -hmm. exactly what they're doing. Why? Because the iron isn't staying on the belt. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. And it's kind of like you've got your small business and you're making all kinds of cash. You have a cash based business, right? And so you, you get into your convertible. I know you got a convertible, Doug, right? You get in your convertible, you put all of this cash on the seat next to you and you drive to the bank and you get to the bank and you realize, uh oh, 50% of my money flew out the, conver- the convertible. Mm-hmm. I call the folks from my business who are actively working, helping customers come out and pick up the money. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing, mm-hmm. right? What value does that add to have you lose money? And I said to the guy, I said, you see that stuff on the ground? I said, what is it? He said, it's iron ore. I said, no, it isn't. It's money. Mm-hmm. It's money. You're losing money. And it's okay to go find it and put it back. No, it's not. And I said, and attached to that is a serious injury and fatality risk that mm-hmm. is there for no good reason. An exposure, at least, is there mm-hmm. for no good reason. Fix the business issue and process issue, and you won't have a need for any exposure like that. You can put a fence around the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, and, and so, so there is where you find the business case, and that is, I can tell you how much money you're losing trying to pick up your money. Mm-hmm. And then when you fix that, what have I just fixed is part of the process. I fixed the safety and the safety comes along for the ride in the business ROI, not the safety that. ROI. Right. I love that. And, and that is where you're going to gain the attention of those people making those decisions. Exactly. Now this guy's talking business to us. That's, right. that's helpful. Right. Improve that process overall and safety will come along with it. it always. Typically, always. Always. Yeah. And, and that's the other paradigm I think that we have to work with and that, that remember I talked about putting uh, good paint on a rusty car. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is, is we can throw all kinds of safety mechanisms on this process, but they still have to open it up and they still have to clean up the iron. Right. Okay. And what are those safety mechanisms depend upon layers and layers of cost and people's reliability and all that? Why? Right. Why and are we so- putting those failure modes in for no good reason? Right. Wow, that's really good, man. Um, Every process then needs to be considered in those terms. Yes. Is there a business value to this process? Are we losing because of this process? How do we prevent that loss? And you talk a lot about, you know, companies that are interested in this zero injury world, this that we always achieve, we're Mm -hmm. striving for. But if you're an outcome-based thinker that you've already lost you you know your opportunity has already been lost yeah i mean i i look at companies and and i look at the way they talk about how they measure their safety performance and if they're talking in outcome terms they're not as evolved as they think they are Mm -hmm. yeah and so this process this that you describe this you know this relationship between organizational culture and unwanted out unwanted outcomes is designed to at least allow them some opportunity to predict. It's a predictive opportunity where you see yes, most in these predecessors or the yeah, I mean, antecedents. It, it, yeah, exactly. It, it, it's it's predicated on the fact that uh, there are is a relationship between things, and things are interrelated. And like I said last time, it was like an equation, right? I know this plus this equals that, right? Mm-hmm. And if you understand what it takes to create 
uh, robust approaches and you understand what it takes to create imbalanced approaches and you also know the symptoms of each, the signs and symptoms of each, then you can use this relationship to go and figure out long before events, actually before risk gets created, where risk is going to get created and where events are going to happen because these things are all predictable. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not a straight line kind of process. It's a relationship about a bunch of different things. I wrote an article way down in the in the chain called Predicting something or other mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't remember mm -hmm. and it has my my kind of graphic in there which is the analysis that i do in organizations and i take all of these elements and i write down the factors in there and then i can plot courses across the factors of failure mm -hmm. right and you can do that for quality you can do that for safety you can do that for ethics because the the factors on the left are are the same for everything mm -hmm. you're setting the organization sets its up self up to fail or succeed by the way it makes decisions mm -hmm. and that if you know if you said to me pete you know in this relationship that you've created here what's the common thread what's the what's the uh you know the, the connecting tissue connective tissue mm -hmm. i would say decision making mm -hmm. and and i think the safety profession and it's starting to work its way out of it with with I think hop and safety too and all this mm -hmm. other stuff uh, of of thinking as the decision making being at the coal face that that's the decision making we need to focus focus mm -hmm. at on well that decision making is resultant decision making okay Res it results it's resulting from all of the stuff upstream okay and we're putting people in those situations to make those decisions by the way we make decisions upstream mm -hmm. and i can wow. show you by the path how that happens mm -hmm. wow so you sent me that i think that that uh diagram the more detailed yeah elements of this figure right which was really interesting. We'll have to get to that at some point, but yeah, when I throw that in front of people, it's somewhat overwhelming. It is. It was a little bit overwhelming, and so and and even there's so much information in the articles too that I've had to reread them over and over. And every time I reread, every time I read it, I see something else. So this is not this is not easy necessarily. I think the concept is easy, but there's a lot of interesting uh, nuances to this. Yeah, it, it's it's involved. Let's put it that way. I I don't think it's complicated, right? It's it, it's like you know dumping a box of uh, puzzle pieces out, three thousand puzzle pieces, and say, mm -hmm. oh boy, this is complicated. Well, no, not by piece by piece. It's not, and that's the way we have to take this I piece see. by piece. Okay, know? interesting. So, um, what's the what's the right question? Where do you start? How do you if you go into an organization? If if someone calls you and asks you to come in and and give them an evaluation or or try to go through that assessment process and identify for them where they are deficient or missing. How, how do you do that? Uh, it, it, I think maybe the best way to, to, to talk that is, is maybe talking through this, this diagram a little bit okay. so that people can see what each of these pieces is and, and what's behind them. How they relate to each other. Yeah. Yeah. How, how about we do that? Of course. And then, um, so 
I, a lot of times I start with the outcome and work mm-hmm. my way back up because mm-hmm. that's the way most people think. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to start on the other end this time. Okay. Okay. So, so on on the front end of this whole thing is is what you could generically call culture. And, I, and I'm mm-hmm. kind of getting out of that word uh, because it's just a huge, huge box that is mm-hmm. kind of nebulous. Yeah, it's got we throw it's we throw things into it. We can never find what we threw in there. Yes, no <laughs> doubt. I, I totally um, agree. So what the way I've broken it up is is organizational factors and operational factors. And organizational factors are basically the elements, the um, criteria, the factors in an organization that apply everywhere that organization operates. So if we've got a very large multinational corporation, I'm going to find the implications of these things in China, in Scranton, and you know, mm-hmm. in, in Sao Paulo, everywhere. Everywhere wow. I go, I'm going to see these implications. Mm-hmm. And, and what are those implications? Well, it, it really starts from the way the organization chooses its values mm-hmm. and balances its values and the way that it goes about deploying its business and measuring its performance and hiring its leaders and all of that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and deploying its organization in terms of its business units and and how they all of that stuff, how they communicate with each other, how they're designed, all of that, how the way the organization is set up, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Even to the point of where functions, uh, functions being HR and safety, how, how they're deployed, uh, what their relationships are uh, to the corporate entity, what their relationships are at the plant. I mean, you can see that and the implications of that design to a lowly, you know, safety person in a plant somewhere uh, that they're set up within that paradigm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And that's something that gets designed way, way upstream somewhere. And it's the mm-hmm. same everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so organizational factors. Then the next piece is operational factors. Operational factors have, I'll call them some tiers to them, right? So it's the business unit that you're in possibly, right? So some companies are pretty diverse. Business units are very different. Mm-hmm. In terms of the way they do business, their market, the product, the service. Okay, mm-hmm. then it's also the country or region, uh, regional culture that is an implication in that business where that business is located. And then it goes all the way down to the plant culture, where the plants look at history of the plant, leadership of the plant, all of that kind of stuff. Right. So those are that's operational factors. So you can see in those two layers where the decision-making sets the tone for the downstream Mm decision-making. No doubt. And that's the origin of success and failure right there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. Okay. That decision-making is where I spend my time with the executive teams. I see. That's their wheelhouse. Right. That's their wheelhouse. Once it gets out of them, it's, you know, it, it's, it gets handed down and down and down and, and it gets mm-hmm. further down at the system, the less capacity those people have to change that. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And so that's, so that, that is really fascinating because as you are describing that, I am envisioning companies that I have worked with mm-hmm. and I can see exactly what you're talking about. It can be, I mean, there are some, um, some very obvious elements 
to those organizations when you go into each of their different locations. But they tend to have a local flavor based on the, the uh, and again, the term culture is so broadly used, but regionally, if you have a, a national organization, if I go to an, uh, the same facility in California, Louisiana, up in the Northeast somewhere, Midwest, they tend to take on a little flavor of their own, even though you can see elements of that kind of the overriding umbrella of control. That is really, it's really interesting. And that, that even takes on like national or, or international uh, aspects because I've seen companies that are, that are Asian companies, uh, German companies, as you've said, uh, other, and they all have a different uh, flavor based on those factors as well. Sure. It, it's really interesting how that applies. Uh, let me give you a, a, a kind of another story. Uh, no, story time, folks. Stories. It is. It should be. Um, I was working with this corporation, a multi, you know, you know uh, let's say it's got 10 plants or so. Um, they make uh, some raw material that's used in in um, products. I, I don't want to get too specific here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they've got operations all over the world. Uh, and I know that two of their operations – I went and visited one of them. And as I was driving into the plant, I said, oh boy, we're going to have problems here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I could tell just by the operational, the visuals of operational discipline, the cleanliness, where things were coming into the plant. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I said, hmm, interesting, right? Because if we're not disciplined about our decisions in cleanliness, we're not disciplined about our decisions in other things too. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a sign. Okay. And, and once I got there, I was like, Oh boy, you know, this plant's way off the mark, way off the mark. Now in other areas of the world, they've got plants that are running clean and operations are wonderful. Now back this up and you've got to say to yourself, why is that? Mm-hmm. How are, are such significant anomalies and differences allowed in the same business, in the same business unit. Mm -hmm. So now you got to, it's not the plant. Once you, once you see that it's not the plant, you got to go up to the next level and say, okay, how is the decision-making in the next level allowing this amount of variation? Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the first places you go to is what they measure. Mm. Okay. If they're measuring results only, outcomes, if they're measuring results only, you know, a lot of what I am seeing is about the how, not the what. Okay. The data going up is the what. Mm -hmm. And if you're delivering good what data, People not may not see how you're doing it, oh, right? Geez. You're forsaking your equipment maintenance. You're forsaking your structural integrity. You're forsaking all of this by spending your money on profit-driven pieces of your business. Mm-hmm. And you're forsaking the rest, right? You're squeezing something to, to make your numbers. Mm-hmm. Oh, and my you God. You can see that. Yes. Right? And so that, wow, that is such a profound observation. Um, and I see that all the time. And I didn't even realize what I was 
seeing until you just said that. So thank you, because that that actually makes sense in my mind, because I go to different locations within the same corporation and see them differently and want to blame the location for that. But it's it's not necessarily location driven. Yeah, should we should we blame the kids or should we blame the parents? Right? <laughs> wow, man, that is such an astute observation. Yeah, it, maybe the word blame isn't isn't appropriate here. Well, but, but it's, it's is where is the origin of the of the the problem or the right. imbalance? And I call it imbalance. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the ability to balance benefit and risk in your value system. Mm-hmm. Okay, and when that's imbalance, that's where these things. These opportunities for imbalance perpetuate down into the organization, through the organization. And you'll see it in different ways based on those organ, uh, those operational factors. Whatever situation that plant is in, they have the latitude to take advantage of the things that are not getting measured directly. Right. That's really okay? fascinating. And so you it manifests itself differently, but the reason is the same. So now you got to go back up, and, and, and this is what I do, is I go back and try to figure out where this variation is allowable. Why are they not, well, they are not seeing it at that level? Why, you know, what's, what's the dysfunction up there, right? Mm-hmm. And then is it the next level up too, right? Mm-hmm. I just keep moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's not safety. Safety is an indicator of that, but right. when you have that level of dysfunction, it's everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, what we're doing here is we're deciding what balls we're going to juggle. We've been given ten balls; we can only juggle two. These are the two I choose to juggle because these are the two that either keep me in my job, keep me out of trouble, keep me successful, and that goes all the way down to the worker. Think about it. The choices that workers make are about expediency and staying out of trouble or easy or whatever it is. They're, they're, they're choosing what balls to juggle to. Why? Because we're giving them multiple balls. We're right. setting them up. Right. Okay. And it goes all the way down through the organization that way. Mm-hmm. Does it? So I'm going to use that same analogy. The balls that we are giving the employees to juggle, uh, we decide on which, on what balls they are even given access to. And then they pick, I mean, Ultimately, they are making decisions based on their perception of what is important to us. To some yeah, and I think I think uh, uh, Todd Conklin would talk about it as context, right? It, mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's, a, it's the dynamic of the situation that they're in. Okay, mm-hmm. so and everybody's got a little different dynamic and a different day, different hour, right? But but that choice is the same. Mm-hmm. Again, how they make that choice is dependent upon that situation that they're in. Right. Right. And no doubt. And but but it's the choice that's the problem, not the decision. So explain that. Well, that that it's an unnecessary choice to to have somebody choose between getting that product out and and not using the right tool or not using the forklift the right way or whatever it is. uh, That's that's set up to fail because now they're independent. Those two things are independent. Safe way and productive way mm-hmm. become independent choices, right. elements of choice, mm-hmm. whereas they shouldn't be. They should be designed as interdependent. This is the most productive and safe way. And 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 we've set with you, we've set it up 
this way so that you can do both. And nobody in the system here is is going to create separate that, right? It, it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if we can take those forks out of the road, those choices out of the road, not, and look, sometimes you can't, and you got, and, and as, as the hop folks would say, you gotta, you gotta create this kind of more robust control or, mm-hmm. or decrease the capacity of somebody to get hurt or all of that, but it's not just safety. Okay. So that's the point. It's, it's, it's when you're making those choices, it's not good for business. Right. Right. Interesting. So that would be kind of the easy choice is the right choice. We want that either eliminate that choice as independent or at least make the the more desirable choice. Yeah. Here's here's how to back work that a little bit. And and, and that is, you know, I think in one of your podcasts you just did, you talked about um, involvement and engagement and Mm -hmm. All that right, and I have the next the next one in this in the cycle is ownership. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's where I try to work is 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 look not deferring ownership from supervisors to to workers, but valuing the fact that the workers should own the decisions in their work area. Okay, and set them up as owners and balancers. Okay, so when imbalance comes to them, they get together and rebalance before they deploy. Okay. Okay, because they own the business piece where they are. Uh, Like I said before, you know, I think I said this before, uh, is the executives make the first decisions, the workers make the last, and the last one is the one that counts. Mm Mm-hmm. The one that counts. And I tell executives all the time, I, you have wonderful thoughts about this, I said, but that's not the real world. That's the typical making... concept. Right. Mm-hmm. I said, so let's back work this. Don't we want the workers to feel like they own quality, to own production? Own that? So if they own all those things, then they can help balance those things mm-hmm. because we've created imbalance by design. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then once that starts working for you, then, then you start to listen to the workers more, then you can start to figure out how to create balance by design rather than out in the shop. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh my God, man. (laughs) These are incredible concepts. Um, And they seem, as you describe them, they seem obvious, but as the outside looking in, unfortunately they don't seem so obvious. So yeah, yeah, you know what, and, and, and I I understand that. I, I like I said, before, I think I said it in the first one. My biggest challenge over the years that I've been talking about this stuff is mm-hmm. getting people to see in their heads what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see it pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. I see the connection. I see all this coming, uh, and but they don't because they're looking at things in very discreet ways you know separate kind of discrete problems separate things to do and and nothing is discrete Mm -hmm. everything is interrelated and Mm -hmm. and if you believe that then at least then i can begin to show you how it's interrelated um because i will tell you there's nothing that's an anomaly it's nothing Mm -hmm. okay it's related to something maybe you're just not seeing it right right that 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 is an interesting concept because I I don't know that I don't know many people that actually I think most people will profess they you know they understand everything is interrelated but then they address everything discreetly as you just said you know rather than from an overall organizational 
operational standpoint, they are looking at safety and then looking at quality. So I guess when you talk about, yes, I, I understand that all these things are somehow interrelated, but that's not the approach that they take when they're addressing no. those things. And, and that's not the way the business is set up. I mean, when you look at the business, it's set up vertically, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right from the top, you've got this executive team and each member of the executive team deploys its functional responsibilities vertically in the organization. Mm-hmm. So all of the procedures, all of the decisions, all of the um, staff, everything gets deployed vertically. Right. Okay. Until we get to the first line and now it's like drinking from a fire hydrant. Okay. <laughs> I got 15 people talking to me about 15 different things I need to do as a first line supervisor. Which one am I going to do? Which one am I not going to do? Cause I'll tell you what, I can't do all 15. No, it's doubt. not going to happen. No doubt. That's the reality of a first line supervisor. Yeah. Yeah. Nice thought folks. <laughs> but yes, all that vertical integration forces everybody into these little fiefdoms and these little, exactly. you know, this is my world of control. And so I am going to exert control over this little piece. Yep. rather than everything as an interrelated yep. operation. And that, and that weaves directly into what we were talking about, about the island of safety. Mm-hmm. You know, the quality folks are on an island too. A lot of the other folks are on islands too. Mm-hmm. Because of the design of the organization, the design of incentive compensation systems, all kinds of things keep people separated. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's it's, so, it's not good. It's what do not you, good. I mean, can are there organizations that get it? I mean- have you interacted with organizations that actually get it and do they change that organizational concept or how do yeah, they approach to, that? To some degree. Let, let me, you know what, let's go back and, and walk, keep walking down. Okay. Through, um, Are we so going we got to... organizational operational factors and then what I call uh, at, at the front line is the management system. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't want us to think of management systems just as safety management systems uh, or quality management systems. I want you to think of it as as the as a kind of a protective layer of of the organization that helps the organization make value balanced decisions. Okay, mm-hmm. and and in safety we see it for just a safety kind of perspective, but a I wrote an article um, on business management systems, a BMS, which is an integrated management system, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. think of, of your front line of defense as a bunch of posts with no fence in between. Okay. Right. That's what separate management systems are. Right. Now, when you have an integrated business management decision, we're balancing business decisions in an integrated fashion long before they ever get out into the operation. Because now safety is talking to quality it, as a system perspective, not as mm-hmm. two people, one safety person, one quality person saying, hey, you know, how do we get together on this? No, no, it's by design. Mm-hmm. And then following that is the design of the organization to achieve that, which is now, now let's break down these silos, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's the paradigm that, that organizations need to operate in because that creates a wall of defense and a be- benefit risk balancing process that's hard to beat right um and and so if that that system separately or integrated or related isn't predictive isn't isn't involved in the decision making isn't balanced helping balance decision makings for decision making for those values and what level of benefit equals what level of residual risk and all of that across the organization these imbalanced decisions made by 
those two frontline elements, the organizational factors and operational factors come through and they get built into processes mm-hmm. and processes. Mm-hmm. I, I, well, look at processes, just the way we go about doing something simplistically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's the way we hire, the way we procure, the way we make parts, the way we uh, acquire, you know, all of those things are all processes. Mm-hmm. If if that process is designed to focus more on benefit than and imbalances another value, safety, quality, cost, whatever it is, okay, if we're focused on one thing so much that we're imbalancing so something else so so uh, so much to the point where it's a threat. And, and it came through, it gets designed to the process. That process starts to deploy itself. Like the example I gave in the first um, about mm-hmm. the grain, mm-hmm. the grain situation, right? That's a great example of that, right? An imbalanced uh, uh, process of sales that doesn't balance safety then creates a sale that creates safety risk. Mm-hmm. And that safety risk can live for long periods of time. Uh, without manifesting itself into an outcome. And mm-hmm. and if you're just measuring outcomes and harm, it'll, you look good. You're going to miss that. Yeah, you're not yeah. going to. Well, I mean, you talk to executives all the time. I said, hey, where's your next fatality going to be? They look at me like, what? what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where's your next fatality going to be? What data do you have to tell you that? Predictive data. Mm-hmm. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't. They're no. looking at OSHA recordables. Yeah, we didn't have any recordables last year, so we're right. obviously... Well, we didn't have any fatalities, right? So the yeah. number's zero. We got zero on the gauge. What's mm-hmm. that telling us? I don't know. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> it's not telling you how much risk you have. Right. It's t- telling you how, what frequency of outcomes you've had. Right. Not a good not a good indicator Not a good the indicator future. at all. <laughs> it's on zero. Right. The gauge may not even be working. <laughs> right. Well, oh my god man well so we are like running up on our time yeah so, i know we could talk about this all this is going to be so now we have to take our four-part series and expand it into like a 20-part <laughs> series because we can we, okay. we're gonna have to come back to this article next time we speak but what as a take-home message you know listeners are primarily safety people i'm sure there are some small business owners that are that listen and maybe some higher level executives but what's the, what take home message should they have what homework do you want them to yeah. do before the next time we speak well the easiest homework is working from the bottom up which is working from the events your events that you've had and beginning to see the processes behind those not just the safety stuff Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I talked about the grinding the roller one, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, take a look at, at how the work is set up and does it even make any sense? The situation that the worker has, that does it make any sense? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't make any sense, somewhere along the line, it doesn't make any business sense. It doesn't just make no safety sense. Right. Where you see safety issues, there are other business risks there too, always. Mm-hmm. Don't just fix the safety and walk away, mm-hmm. okay? So if you're doing an incident investigation, you find yourself fixing safety, you haven't fixed the problem. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately at those specific points where there is, we've identified safety risk because that's our perspective, there is also a likelihood that we are going to have some type of business failure as well, some type of production failure, material damage, some other uh, inefficiency 
that is going to affect the overall wellness of the organization. I, I will tell you that wellness is being implicated and affected long before the safety stuff was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I talked, I think the last one about the, the back over fatality mm-hmm. in the loading dock, right? The cost of inefficiency at that loading dock has been going on for years mm-hmm. and it got, it got, it, it got lost in overhead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But they were losing money for years. Nobody saw that. So we right. had to wait to have a fatality to have somebody like me say, wait a minute, this is not just a fatality risk. You've been losing money for a long time. Right. It could have been any kind of risk. It could have been a quality risk. Exactly. It could have been it could it could be a minor issue. It doesn't have to be a fatality either. Right. I mean, you've got to be able to see the fact that the, these little messages that come out of safety are implications of much bigger opportunities for benefit Mm -hmm. recovery in your organization, not just harm reduction, benefit recovery. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to just, so I can't stop now because this is, but we have to stop. Um, So that the concept that the hot people, Conklin and those guys, when they talk about learning teams and they talk about actually interacting and drilling down into some of these processes and, and they, they mask it, kind of they encompass it in the safety from a safety perspective, but we are looking at process inefficiencies that may have a potential to manifest as a safety-related issue, but overall, when we're doing these learning teams and we're interacting with these employees, we need to be looking at the big picture overall, or at least try to capture the big picture from that specific safety risk perspective is yeah, that i mean yeah good yeah good example right uh, i was in a factory the other day they make aerospace parts okay and, and and as part of of the fixture for this part there's a bunch of uh allen keys right and allen allen wrenches guy has to turn mm-hmm. i don't know a whole bunch of different allen keys by hand and and so the allen wrench is probably six inches long um and he needs to torque them by hand well he got tired of doing that, so he figured I'll get a little length of pipe, right? So now he's got a maybe a you know ten inch length of pipe, and he's he's torquing the Allen keys with the pipe. Okay, now what's the torque spec on that? Was it made for hand torquing? Was it was it designed for the pipe? Now we could go look at that as a safety perspective. Oh, you're going to hurt yourself, or or maybe we come in after he has hurt himself. I don't, I don't know, he dropped the pipe on his foot, works, you know, or or you know, twisted his arm or shoulder, and that's what happens there, right? They tweak themselves trying to put some extra force into this. Wait a minute, is this even the right way to do the job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've given people this situation and this way of doing work that you can see why they were trying to work their way out of that. Right. Because it wasn't even designed for a consistent quality well. Mm-hmm. Never mind, you know, uh, cre- trying to create a better situation for themselves and then possibly tweaking quality because nobody's going back and measuring the torque on these things, right? Take yeah, this guy signing off a piece of paper, said, oh, yeah, I torqued it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you can see now the where the implications of that that pipe and that decision yeah. are much yeah. bigger than It's safety. always bigger than safety, right? Yeah. Uh, who said that before? I think I've heard that before. Yeah. But it is always bigger than safety, man. And that is, is such an amazing concept. Pete, I, I just love this, man. I've been reading these articles now since you sent them to me. I've sent them out to people that I interact with. Um, 
this is really high-level stuff, man. You are much smarter than me, so it's going to take me a while to catch up with some of this stuff. But I love this discussion, and we need to continue this discussion. So we have to wrap up. We're right at our time. I've got to say goodbye, unfortunately. We could talk about this for hours. But I think this gives everyone a good starting point, gives them food for thought, which is what I really want. I want people to start thinking about these things differently. I want them to read the articles. We'll send out the articles as we go so they can get them and take a look at them. Um, is, is there a way they can get to the articles other than through me or you? Are, there, are they available somehow, or do we need to keep sending them out? I Should think we, we need that? to keep sending them out. Okay, I, we'll I, do that. So we can talk about my frustration offline. We can talk about your frustration, but let's say that. So if you happen to be on the LinkedIn group that we communicate through, you will be getting these through LinkedIn. So go find them uh, and right. read them because this is going to enhance the discussion. But Pete, thank you so much. Um, I apologize. I am, I am like, it's like a lecture to me because I'm listening. I'm scribbling down notes. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to absorb the information. There's, it's just such good information, man, that I hope that you will join, join me again and we can talk more about this. I think this is the direction that most of us need to be going, frankly. So I appreciate um, the opportunity and, and it's so nice. Uh, it's big just stuff. having this conversation. It's, it, it's nice to have a conversational way of, of talking about these things. I, really I totally agree. That. I totally agree. Um, I've got to get out of the studio. All right. People standing at the door. Thank you. So have a great weekend. You too. You too. Everybody See you have a great weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Um, keep doing what you're doing. This is important work. And now it's time to start reading. So um, right. we will let you know when Pete's going to join me again, when we're going to do part two, I'll send an announcement out for that, but pay attention because it's coming and we will schedule it and let you know. Thank you, Pete. Thank you. Thank Talk you to you later, buddy. Right. Bye-bye. Huda Media Production.